On Spotlight today on KRWC, we reserve time the first Wednesday of each month for friends from the uh, U of M Extension Service here in Wright County. Emily Hansen, who is an extension educator in horticulture, joins us today. And uh, nice to have you back in the studio. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me. Good to have you here. We were talking about the wind and the dry conditions, and boy, we got to really, really be cautious with any sparks or fire today. Right. We were just talking about the mud rain from last week and just the dust that came up from southern Minnesota after harvest season and kind yeah. of a crazy phenomenon. And I read, too, that it was uh, there may have been dirt all the way from uh, as far as Kansas mm-hmm. that was involved in that. That was weird. Mm-hmm. I did read that, too, and I just saw a report from... One of our researchers, researchers, a soil report said that the first 24 inches of the soil is completely dry. So they have not seen any moisture in those first 24 inches, which is insane. Two feet. <laughs> yep. That's going to take a lot of moisture. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that was a, a strange phenomenon. <laughs> so what I understand is that the, uh, the rain kind of formed around the dirt particles and then when the water dried off, the, all that's left is dirt. Right, yep. And everyone was out getting a car wash the day after and long lines there. It's just kind of crazy. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're going to talk about several different topics here today as we get into uh, the fall. And uh, some, uh, I guess, dry topics is uh, one of the things we're going to touch on. But I think you want to talk a little bit about soil testing here first and um, I'll let you run with that for a while. Yeah so if you are a home gardener um, or you have your own horticulture field it would be a great time to get a soil test in the fall. Perfect time to get that done, get ahead for the spring so you kind of know what you're dealing with and what to apply. Um, So it's pretty easy to get a soil test. All you have to do is just go to the extension office. We offer the free soil test forms and we also offer free bags but you don't really need um, our signature bag you can just place it in a plastic bag if you wanted Um, but once you receive those items you go out to your home garden and you find three or four different spots that you want a soil sample or if you're in a field we usually recommend zigzagging across the field probably a hundred feet we do offer soil probes as well we have a soil probe if you wanted to take that and take your sample. But after you find those spots, you'll take your trowel um, or your soil probe and dig about six to eight inches in the soil. And once you dig under there, you take the dirt and you place it in a plastic bucket and you get all of your samples from your other locations, put those in the bucket, mix it all up so it's kind of an even distribution. And then you will take that soil and put it in your soil test bag that you have or plastic bag or paper bag or anything. Um, Our bags have a maximum fill line on them so we know exactly how much soil is in there and that we can test it. Um, We want to make sure though that there's not a lot of grass or leaves in there, it's just soil. Um, So making sure that you get those six to eight inches of soil under there. Um, putting that in the bag and then we offer soil testing at the University of Minnesota plant disease clinic at the soil testing lab Um, and we have information about that and the address but if you're doing a home garden it's $17 and then a horticulture field vegetable field um, orchard it is $15 so it really depends Um, and we offer those um, free bags and free forms as well. Talk about the advantages of 
knowing what your soil content is? What, what do you do with that information once you get it? Right, yeah. So once you receive your report, it'll show like phosphorus levels in your soil is what's commonly tested for or potassium levels. And if the phosphorus levels are very high, then you know not to apply a um, high phosphorus level fertilizer in the spring. Um, the soil test also makes recommendations for what to apply. So if your phosphorus levels are super high, they'll probably recommend putting um, nitrogen down. Um, but they will do that based on um, the square foot of the garden. Um, we can also calculate that for you as well um, if it's hard to read or hard to understand. But um, the forms and the, the results are pretty easy to kind of see where you're at. It also shows pH, organic matter. And then there's other tests as well. So if you feel like you have a magnesium deficiency in the soil, you could uh, pay extra for that. But the basic one is potassium, phosphorus, nitrogen recommendations, pH, things like that. So ultimately, you want to get a good balance so that uh, the plants grow, grow better and grow stronger too. Right, exactly. If you are using manure as a fertilizer, you could be over applying and essentially stunting your plant growth instead of helping it. So seeing what really is underneath the soil can help you determine if you need to keep applying manure or stop applying manure, if that makes sense. Beneficial to uh, just general yards as well as gardens, or is this more for gardens and fields? Yep, we do offer, um, so the lawn and garden form is the same. So if you receive a form from us, it would say lawn and garden. So that would be the same thing. And then you would just mark on there that this soil came from your lawn. So mm -hmm. just to make sure that you remember if you took multiple tests or where it was at. So Sure. Mm -hmm. Emily Hansen is with us with U of M Extension uh, in Wright County and uh, focusing on some horticulture items. Do you guys recommend, um, I know this is a popular time for um, like the uh, soil for yards and gardens to uh, be aerated. Do you recommend that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do have some resources regarding aerating and dethatching. Um, I'm not exactly sure the time frame of that off the top of my head, but we do recommend that in the fall. Not sure if we're out of that time frame yet, mm -hmm. but since we're getting into like dormant seeding time um, instead of reseeding, but we do... Um, have some recommendations on that online. Might be tough to get uh, those spikes to get anything out of the ground. It's so uh, hard in many locations. Yeah, exactly. We All of Wright County is in a drought right now, so super important to make sure that you're watering, um, especially if you just planted something new. So kind of getting into our next topic, gotten a lot of calls about trees. Obviously, that's most of the calls that we get, but... A lot of it is due to the drought effects that we've seen from last year, from this year. And if you just recently planted a new tree or you transplanted, those roots need to be established um, and they need to be watered even in the fall so that you have a strong tree for next year, um, considering the past two years that we've had. So we do have some recommendations. Um, if you just planted your tree, uh, like a week or two ago, make sure that you're watering every day. 
Um, for the next three to 12 weeks after you planted it, we usually say water every two to three days. And then after 12 weeks, it's just watering weekly until the roots are established. And usually the roots are established when the root spread equals the spread of the above ground canopy. So roughly one to two years, um, but it really depends on the size of the tree. So determining tree size is based on the caliper of the tree. So kind of like the width of um, the trunk or the stem of the tree, the lead. So in order to measure that, you would measure the diameter six inches above the ground. Um, and if it's more than four inches, you'd have to measure a foot above the ground. So once you find the caliper of your tree or the diameter of your tree, we do have some recommendations of how much to water and what the establishment time is. So say you have a one inch caliper, it takes about one and a half years for the roots to establish, which means that you would have to apply one to one and a half gallons of water at each irrigation. If the caliper is four inches, takes about six years um, for root establishment and then uh, four to six gallons of water at each irrigation. So um, it's really, really important to um, apply water, especially in the fall, um, even in the summer too, basically all times. <laughs> Under normal circumstances, and I guess it is this year too, but uh, fall usually is a really good time to, uh, to plant new trees or shrubs or things like that. And I guess it still can be, mainly, mainly because it's cooler and, you know, less heat stress and that kind of thing. But we normally get more rain this time of the year too. So uh, absent of that, you have to do it yourself. Right, exactly. And I have had some people say that they're pruning right now. And uh, with tree pruning, it is not recommended to prune in the fall just because, you know, we do have some hot weather going on. Um, and once you are pruning, you're essentially injuring the tree and making it susceptible to disease or um, funguses or um, drought. Um, yeah, so it really stresses out the tree and makes it sick. So let let the uh, ground freeze and let it get uh, a little bit cooler. And I think last time we talked, you were talking January is a good time. Yep, January is the perfect time to prune your tree just because of how cold it is, January, February. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, it's uh, a little easier to see what it is that you want to prune too. Sometimes when they're in full foliage, it's uh, kind of difficult to really narrow it down. Right, exactly. And if, if someone does have a difficult time narrowing down which ones to prune, you can always mark it in the fall and then um, come back in the spring. So we usually say, you know, wrap a string around um, the branch that you want to prune and then come back in the winter in January and prune that branch off. So... Brings us to the topic of uh, some tree and shrub diseases, and we want to avoid that, but uh, talk a little bit about some of the things that we might see. Right, so leaf spot diseases um, don't really necessarily weaken your tree, but they are there. They are a fungus. Um, and one big thing that I wanted to point out about leaf spot diseases this year is that if your tree does have a leaf spot disease, the leaves are going to fall off. And it's very important that we pick up those leaves, um, rake them up, you know, bring them to a compost facility because if we leave those leaves there, it could essentially reinfect the tree. So um, it's not damaging to the tree, but um, we need to make sure that we're having good agriculture practices and picking up those leaves, raking them up, 
Um, and if you feel like you're not sure if your tree has a leaf spot disease, we can always come out and um, determine that as well. But I mean, most of the leaves of trees have fallen off. So now it's probably just a good time, you know, rake them up just in case. It's kind of a fine line there because oftentimes we hear that it's uh, very beneficial to mulch the leaves in, which I guess if they're healthy is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've got uh, some leaves that are looking kind of sickly, that's maybe not the case. Yeah, exactly. Leaves are really good compost material, but you know, it's still important to make sure that if you are composting that um, it's sit for enough time. Um, it's actually gone through the compost instead of, you know, taking in the, those leaves directly off the tree and applying that somewhere else. We would need to make sure that they have that time frame to compost fully. Um, and if you're not sure, when I mean, we have resources on that, you could take them to your nearest compost facility. Um, but just making sure we rake up those leaves. Some years we, you know, I mean, we've had ample opportunity to uh, to get after leaves this year, at least so far. Of course, uh, summer's still coming down, but um, there are some years that you don't. If it snows too early, you know, that might sit there until spring. So um, talk about the advantages uh, or disadvantages, uh, you know, to, you don't want to l- let the leaves lay there if if you can avoid it. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And I mean, if it does snow, um, the snow can melt and you can have an opportunity to go out and get those leaves up or when the snow melts in the spring, make sure you pick them up, but um, just making sure that they are not there to infect uh, your tree again with the fungus that's already on it. Yeah. And not only that, but, uh, you know, you got a big, deep two, three inch uh, leaf pile all over your your yard. Uh, That's pretty smothering to the grass, too. Right, exactly. But um, just getting those leaves up and getting them out, very important. Uh, And then uh, we want to move in. Have we got it to all the yard and garden stuff? Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, You want to talk a little bit about uh, farm rental agreements, and we talked with um, some other of your colleagues recently about this, but this is going to be coming up now. It seems like after the harvest is done, then the focus kind of starts for next year. Right, exactly. Usually like crops and livestock events are after harvest. Horde events are usually in spring and summer. So this is kind of like Karen and Caitlin's um, event. We get a lot of questions about farm um, rental agreements and what is fair. Um, obviously there are other factors that go into a fair farm rental agreement. Uh, we do provide averages through the University of Minnesota from NAS data, um, but without those averages, uh, there are other things that go into land rent, um, and these meetings are free, and they are provided at different locations. And there is a Buffalo location on December 7th at 1.30 p.m. And that's at the Wright County Government Center in room 1104. And just a reminder that these are free. Um, so really anyone can come if you are a landowner, if you're considering about renting land and what is fair um, and those factors that go into it. So this is really Karen and Caitlin's event um, and they will be speaking on that as well. It's been kind of up and down in past years because, um, you know, land uh, values, uh, generally speaking, have been going up quite a bit. And so uh, rental values have also been going up. But then 
you know, you hit a couple bad years where if uh, prices go down or crop prices go down, then it's then it's kind of tough on the folks that are renting the land too. Right, exactly. And there's differences between cropland and pasture land, irrigated versus non-irrigated land. So um, these free events are pretty important and very informative. And there are a lot of different locations and dates if someone isn't able to make those dates. And you can always call the extension office for uh, more days and times and locations if you are wanting to attend one of these free events. Yeah, and I think they usually present a pretty balanced uh, look from both sides of the coin, you know, whether you're the uh, the renter or the landlord. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what you want to do is strike a fair balance there between the two. Right, exactly. They give a really great description of both sides and what goes into each decision to help people out. I don't know that we ever really get into too much uh, heated problems on it, but I suppose the potential is there. Yeah, I guess so. But with the University of Minnesota, we're always providing unbiased information. So um, we have the facts and it's free. So um, it's kind of hard to beat a free event with great knowledge and great resources. Yeah. So December 7th in Buffalo at one thirty at the Government Center. And uh, I know there's been... Uh, more information that's been uh, put out about this, so uh, check it out. Or they can call the office if they need more information about that. What else do we need to know before uh, we switch from uh, mild fall to winter? Anything else that's uh, right on the horizon here? Nothing really on the top of my head. We're just preparing for the next year with Master Gardeners. We have our Spring Education Days event. Uh, we do have a date set for that, so that's going to be March 25th in St. Michael this year. Um, so there will be more information to come about that and learning more about different topics that we have. Um, but otherwise, nothing really off the top of my head. It's starting to slow down for me at least, starting to pick up for Caitlin and Karen, but um, just getting through the end of the year and preparing for next year. Very good. And where do they contact you if they do have any questions? So my phone number is 612-394-6302. Emily Hansen with the uh, U of M Extension Service, uh, the Buffalo office. You say you take a little drive outside the county once in a while too, though. Yep, I'm mainly based in Buffalo, uh, the Public Works Building, but I also am in Hutchinson one day a week, so okay. got a nice drive down there. All right. <laughs> well, good to see you again, and uh, we'll reserve some time here for you in December as well, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Yeah, thank you. All right. There's today's Spotlight on KRWC.